Welcome to the Guardian Podcast with Ren Melberg. My name's Harold Nickel. A study by Javelin Strategy and Research found that financial and banking institutions, healthcare providers, and retailers can lose up to one-third of their customers if they fall victim to a major data breach. Security in the Internet age is an everyday concern. As every new protection is invented, the criminals find ways to breach them. The result is crime on an epic scale. But beyond the monetary and privacy violations is the damage to the reputations of the companies and government organizations whose systems are compromised. And Ren, it, it just seems like customer trust, security policy, overall governance, it seems like it's a really complex issue for businesses that want to maintain public faith. Does it seem like that to you? Yes and no. Okay. Okay. Because what we need to do to improve our cybersecurity and to combat um, those people who are trying to breach our cybersecurity is fairly simple, okay. but it isn't easy. Oh. And it's a set of behaviors. So one of the things I think is so interesting about the javelin study but also others um that we've seen over the last 10 years in particular is the incredibly high rate of concern and the corresponding low rate of action and as we talk about all the time on this podcast behavior is the only thing that matters right because that's the only way you can get your desired outcomes and what we're seeing is, and we keep seeing more and more breaches, right? Mm-hmm. Um, what we're seeing is a lot of talk and almost no action. When it, it comes to actually changing how companies are looking at their security mm-hmm. so that they can prevent most of these attacks and that they can respond quickly and effectively when they happen. Right, And I say when, because it isn't an if anymore, and we need to stop pretending that it's an if scenario. It's mm-hmm. a when scenario. I think that's right. It's a certainty. It's not a possibility. Right. I've, I've also read that as many as 82% of boards are concerned about cybersecurity, and that was um, based on a survey and responses from 461 security professionals. However, that concern isn't always translating to viewing cybersecurity as a threat to the entire organization as only of that same group that was surveyed. Only one in seven chief information security officers reports directly to the chief executive. So it kind of begs the question, what the heck is going on? Well, there's a couple of problems there, right? And this is a recurring theme. This old, antiquated idea that there is a segregation between IT and business. Mm -hmm. They're one and the same. Right. And it plays into this 
um, di- old dichotomy plays into the situation too because, well, that's not a business problem. That's an IT problem. Mm-hmm. And I ne- IT needs to figure it out. What's the reality? The reality is most of these breaches, especially the backdoor breaches, all major retailer breaches like the one at Target, TJ mm-hmm. Maxx, those actually were enabled by business practices and business policies. So if the business isn't working with IT, this is always going to be a problem. Mm-hmm. And we need to break down these silos. Right. And these companies need to operate as one company, one cohesive unit, instead of these silos, mm-hmm. which are... Which, by the way, your employees hate working in silos. Huh. They hate it. Yeah. So if you've got a siloed company, your employees, you don't even have to do any surveys. You don't have to do any assessments or benchmarking. Your employees are less productive than an equivalent company that doesn't have silos, period. They just are. Wow. And your employees in a silo company are producing less quality. The other thing we're doing that's on topic to this Mm-hmm. Your employees, every single one of those silos is a security problem. Okay. So the more you silo your company, the more institutionalizing um, opportunities for breaches and attacks. You're making it easier mm-hmm. for people to breach your company. And not, and it's not a little bit with each silo, it's exponential with each silo. And so more of a bifurcation that you have between IT and the business, mm-hmm. the more opportunities for those that want to do harm to your company or want to steal your information. So it's a multidimensional issue. The people in silos are unhappier, less productive, and a bigger security risk. That's all bad. Right. (laughs) Silos are incredibly dangerous, and I deliberately use the word dangerous Mm -hmm. (laughs) because in this topic, we definitely mean dangerous. Sure. Silos are incredibly dangerous in knowledge industries. Yeah, and it kind of takes me back to a point you were making a moment ago that maybe the, the board members, executive leadership, see this as a technical issue or a technical problem and not as... A business challenge it it all sounds technical and maybe I think uh, I think you've you've really hit it when it's uh, not just a, a technical problem but it's something that affects whole organizations but it's that technical perspective that causes them to not take this as seriously as they as they might I think that's definitely true mm-hmm. and one of my aha moments around that uh-huh. was um, coaching a board of a bank, um, a mid-market bank. So not one of the too big to fail, so don't freak out as I tell you the story. Okay. But talking to, we it was coaching, facilitating a, a board meeting for them as they were learning about agile governance and and. What is it? How does their role change as they go and become an agile company? And during a break, I was saying, I was just talking to one of the board members and I said, you know, one of our favorite lines in financial services is that money doesn't exist. Money Mm -hmm. is just ones and zeros in somebody's computer somewhere. Right. Yep. 
And he had no idea what I was talking about. Oh, goodness. And I had explained myself that actually currency represents a very small portion of the actual transactional money that exists in the globe, in the entire world. And real money is all electronic. Like, we don't pass cash. You know, when you swipe your credit card at a retailer, your retailer doesn't receive cash from your bank. That's right. Right? It's just an electronic transfer. There's rarely any cash involved ever (laughs) in most (laughs) transactions, especially in the Western world. There's almost no cash anymore. That's right. It's a very small part of the economy. And, uh, you know, and, and he was taken aback. Like, he had never thought about that. And I said, well, that's why... You're an IT company because your IT, all your computer systems, that's the modern equivalent of your teller. Did he kind of give you that that sideways head look like the dog does when he doesn't really understand? (laughs) (laughs) Not quite, but just sinking in and he, he looked at me, he goes, we're not paying enough attention to our IT, are we? And I said, it's worse than that. You're not investing enough. Man. Because that's your entire company. That's well, what- And I said, think about it. You could run for years if you got rid of sales and marketing. Mm-hmm. If you got rid of IT, you couldn't run for more than a minute or two. You'd be done. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll ask you when we're off the air the name <laughs> of the bank to make sure that my money's not there. And um, yeah, your money's not there. <laughs> okay, you don't good, live good. in their region, so I know. Oh, that. good. Even better. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is, is that I know financial services executives who work this day in and day out mm-hmm. who don't get that. One of the things that financial services has been doing for the last 20 years is every single year is reducing their IT budget, usually by about 5 10% every year. Yeah. Healthcare and retail these days, the last 10 years, has been more aggressive. Mm-hmm. So it's not a mistake. Mm-hmm. That IT budgets are going down and security breaches are going up. Yeah, and probably not a coincidence either. Not at all. There is yeah. a direct correlation because, it, you know, one of the laws of the universe, you get what you pay for. If Absolutely. you're not willing to pay for cybersecurity, guess what you're not going to get? If you only want to go on the cheap and buy the bargain basement, Cybersecurity, mm-hmm. guess what you're going to get? Right? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it's immutable. You you can't get around that particular law of the universe. You only get what you pay for. Yeah. Um, and you only get as far as results what you pay attention to. So back to this, you know, the board and government agencies taking this seriously. No one has gone out of business yet mm-hmm. because of a cyber security breach. Mm-hmm. We have, we've talked about multiple companies that have had a 
significant detrimental impact. Mm-hmm. Home Depot, Target, J, uh, TJ Maxx, Ashley Madison. Yep. There's so many more. <laughs> right? There's yeah. so many more. The U.S. government. Um, the U.S. government. All of them. Well, the government can't lose business, but you know what I mean? All of yeah. them have had um, a really detrimental impact to their organization. We now have an inter- uh, a generation of people who, you know, kids in their 20s who are in teenagers now who don't trust the Internet, mm-hmm. don't trust electronic payments. Mm-hmm. This is not a good thing for our consumer-based economy if the next generation of consumers don't trust the backbone of the economy. Well, that's so true. and um... They prefer cash over electronic payments and they really don't like e-wallets. Well, actually, they're kind of split down the middle on e-wallets, <laughs> which is not good. Yeah. Right? Um, it, it, this is a, They just don't have confidence, and you hear them all the time saying, quote, I don't trust technology, end quote. Yeah. It's, um, it's a conundrum, and it's the same for people age-wise at the other end of the scale um, who also don't don't trust technology. Um, but I guess, you know, when we think about who's doing something about this, I'd expect to read about Microsoft or Apple or Cisco or even Hewlett Packard to be the companies that are at the front and leading the way on this issue. But they seem to be mysteriously absent from the conversation on security or, I don't know, maybe I just Maybe I just didn't look in the right place. Are they out there? (laughs) (laughs) They're there, but they're there in their very specific uh, niche. Okay. And as far as anybody taking a a holistic, you know, uh, creating almost like a framework, um, I I don't think that's coming anytime soon. Okay. Because really strong... Cybersecurity comes from inside the company, and it isn't. It's enabled by the tools you can buy from Microsoft, mm-hmm. Apple, Cisco, uh, Symantec, etc. There's a list. Right. But if you one don't have uh, cybersecurity and security in general as a board-driven corporate priority, tools don't matter. Right. Two, if you don't have in your culture um, has governance and security, specifically cybersecurity, as a cultural priority, your tools don't matter. Okay. They just don't. And the culture is probably the biggest piece, especially as companies are moving towards agile. Mm-hmm. Because as you're building, as you're repairing, as you're working on anything in your secu- in your IT systems, in your systems, mm-hmm. I like to say every user story you should ask yourself, are we contributing to improving our security environment? Mm-hmm. More importantly, are we hurting it? Yeah. 
Um, and one of the reasons I love doing this work in the agile environment is because it breaks down that business IT silo because you have business and IT people in the same agile teams. Mm-hmm. If you don't, then you don't have truly agile teams. Let's right. be honest. Yeah. If you just have IT folks, you don't have a product owner, you don't have a business analyst, then that's not a true agile team because mm-hmm. you're missing half the company. Mm-hmm. Just like if they only work on one application. Right. That's probably not an agile team either because in the real world, how do you get a product or how do you get a security patch out the door that only Im- impacts one application? Yeah. Pretty unusual. It happens, but it's unusual. Um, but anyways, but you, you've got those two groups of people sitting next to each other, and so they can have those conversations about what the business is doing to either help or hurt security mm-hmm. and what IT is doing to either help or hurt security. Right. They co-own it. They co-design it. They co-develop it together. Right, right. Yep. And that same relationship needs, must exist at all levels of the company. For it to yep. be successful, and that's why I say it has to be part of your cultural zeitgeist every yeah. day. You know, it's. I think about when um, I was American Express, and every day we'd ask ourselves, "What are we doing to improve the American Express platform?" Because mm-hmm. it's the largest platform in the world, it covers the greatest right. number of countries in the world, right? What are we doing every day to improve the platform? Every single company should be asking themselves, what are we doing every day to improve our security? Mm-hmm. Especially if you're in the big three that you talked about, financial services, healthcare, um, in retail. Mm-hmm. Every day. Yeah. It's, uh, it's a huge commitment that, uh, needs to be taken seriously. And, you know, there's in the public relations right. world, crisis management is a big deal. And, most companies of any size have plans for product contamination issues or fires or floods or tornadoes or things like that. So as a, as really a PR guy, my thought is that it's, it's probably time for a similar plan or even a team that deals with cybersecurity or the potential crisis for a cyber breach on an everyday basis. Wouldn't you agree with that? Right, absolutely. And honestly, I would recommend that they're the same people, mm-hmm. um, largely, you know, mm-hmm. who deal with the crisis, who are also charged with preventing the crisis. Yeah. Um, because that tightens that learning loop that's so important, um, in a knowledge industry mm-hmm. and being able to respond to these things in a timely fashion. Mm-hmm. Uh, you want the same people who need to learn how it broke. To learn how to fix it. Right, right. Yep, yep. So you want that to be, you know, really, a, that's what I mean by it's a tight learning loop. And it's short. Mm-hmm. And it's impactful. Um, and you want your crisis management people involved to manage the out, usually the external messages. Mm-hmm. So you can retain, um, as you said, two-thirds or more. Of your customers, you want to minimize the negative impact, but you also should be having some crisis management communications internal. Yes, yes, absolutely. Um, because in a crisis, a company can't afford um, 
people to be leaving because of a crisis because they no longer have trust or faith in the company because the first people to walk out the door are your highest performers every time. Those are the people you can least afford to have leave. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's one of the areas that people, so there's two things like of the the three points to responding to a crisis, Uh external communications, everybody does that. Internal communications, almost no one does that. They usually use the same communications that they sent external for their internal people and then wonder why it didn't work. It's a different relationship. You should be communicating differently to those people. Absolutely. Sorry to laugh, but it's just like it happens all the time. It's like, come on, guys, you're just being lazy. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, It's usually what it is. Well, we don't have time to customize something for our people. But do you have time to rehire all those, to hire new people to backfill all those positions? No. It's yeah. less time to do this right. And then three, which is making sure that the people who have to, you know, fix the breach are the people who are, have, are supposed to be preventing them. You've got a nice, tight learning loop. Because mm-hmm. that's how you make sure that you can prevent the next one and the next one and the next one. Right. Um, and the third one almost never happens either. They usually have totally different groups of totally different people, usually in different groups, mm-hmm. diagnosing and fixing a breach than the ones that are sort of doing the um, standard uh, development and production support for security. Yeah. I l- and those communications and that learning doesn't ever happen. Or it happens in a very incomplete way. And I can tell you, <laughs> I have to tell you this, how it usually happens Mm-hmm. is after the breach is resolved, one member of that team, usually the project manager, mm-hmm. puts together a PowerPoint presentation and presents that to the leadership of the people who are responsible for preventing the breach. Right. So the least technical person. <sighs> right. Often presenting very technical and not just, te- and I say technical meaning not just IT programming, but also technical from a business knowledge perspective. Because mm-hmm. often breaches, like I said, are caused because of business processes and policies. Mm-hmm. So that's all very technical business architecture stuff too. They're presenting that to leadership and usually leadership that's two or three levels above the people on the ground who are the ones who need to know this information the most. Hmm. Um, so you usually wind up with, I've measured it, somewhere between four and five degrees of separation uh-huh. between the problem solvers and the workers yeah. who need to maintain this. And it really should be zero. It should be the same, yeah. the same people. And what happens is, remember, each degree of separation, um, remember a telephone game, Mm-hmm. When we were kids, oh, right? Yeah. Eight more the more people you added to the the telephone game, the further and further you got away from the original message. That happens in business communications as well. So you know, imagine your four or five degrees of separation. How valuable is that message by the time it gets to you? Uh, unrecognizable is uh, usually yeah, and in a time sensitive work, 
how valuable is it to you by the time it gets to you? Not really. Mm. <laughs> it's probably, and that's why most of the time, you know, the people who need that information the most, one, almost never get to see it, and two, by the time it gets to them, it's meaningless and they don't even read it. Yeah, it's it's incredible um, because it seems like the things that you're describing are are common sense and everybody knows the expression, you know, an ounce of prevention is and a pound of cure. Um, why not instill a culture of, of safety and security that includes information and electronic data? I think part of it is largely that the, the people who need to make these decisions, the board and the C-suite, don't fully grasp what it means to them mm -hmm. and what it really means to the organization. And so being able to communicate the why to the larger organization is a struggle. And this is where, you know, I've worked with companies and helping them being able to articulate the purpose in a way that's meaningful and impactful. Mm -hmm. And, in, in create it, 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 make it part of their strategy. And then it's easy to see how do we disseminate this and make this part of our culture. Mm -hmm. um, the other thing is if you don't do it right, and this is one of the things that I've talked to so many CEOs in particular about, if you don't do this right, then, and this is the problem with governance, in general, in culture, is it can be come across as command and control. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so people are, people translate that into checking off boxes. I think of the typical audit organization, IT audit organization that we see. They're always on the back end. Mm -hmm. Right before you want to go into production is the first time you hear from them. <laughs> Data security is often the same way, by the way. Yeah. And they're sitting there with a checklist. They should be at the very beginning in your design. Mm -hmm. And what, what CEOs are afraid of, you know, is the guy with the clipboard and the checklist. <laughs> yeah. And they're not sure how to turn these security experts into consultants and how to turn audits auditors into consultants mm -hmm. and when you know I talk to them about it I can see that it's hard for them to conceptualize then I give them real live examples and they're like oh my god that's exactly what we need mm -hmm. yeah it is um, they are your experts and they should be in your design and that should be part of your culture and it should be part of your your project teams or your scrum teams or Kanban teams or production support teams to go, yeah, we don't know how to solve this. What does data security say? And they should be able to pick up the phone or do a WebEx and get someone from data security right away uh -huh. and say, hey, we've got this problem. What do you think? Yeah. Very collaborative. You know, and that's the thing is most people, when you think of data security or anybody in security or anybody in audit, mm -hmm. 
as we've done surveys. Mm-hmm. When we describe the attributes, collaborative is usually the least. Mm-mm-mm. For those folks, collaborative should be number one. Yep. But they're usually seen as authoritative. <laughs> yeah. Which is right an anti-pattern. Yeah. <laughs> to collaborative. Um, and they've traditionally in, you know, in the industrial model are, are presented as authoritative. Mm-hmm. They're there to tell you what you're doing wrong. Yeah. Yeah, that's all right. And what? in this new world, it can't, it can't be like that. You need your experts to always be there to collaborate, to learn from the people who are on the ground. Mm-hmm. But to also be always constantly studying this and assessing the market, assessing, assessing new technology, et cetera, and have a constant feedback loop to your teams who are doing the work. Mm-hmm. Here's new information. Here's our new guidelines for this. Here's our new standards for that. What are you guys learning from that? I need to incorporate, oh, team A has learned, you know, something great. This experiment is really fantastic and we need to replicate those results over here. So I'm going to cascade that information across these multiple teams and I'm going to have them demo that for all these other teams who need to know that. Constantly be doing that work. That's what real security, if you're the, you know, the chief information security officer, mm-hmm. that's what you should be making sure is happening right. every day. Yeah, that's, that's good advice. And I guess, um, Ren, with the with the time we've got left, um, what what are some of the very first steps to in, installing, you know, this type of culture? Is it is it possible? Of course, it's possible. You know, if you can have a gigantic platform, uh-huh. and you are literally making improvements to it um, in every couple of minutes. Uh-huh. Right, and that required a, a, a cultural shift, and to be able to do something like that—that's a gigantic cultural shift. This is yes. very possible. We have so many examples: American Express, Google, Amazon. So many examples of where they've used their culture to empower incredible innovation and responsiveness. Data security is about both. Mm-hmm. In, innovative to prevent responsiveness when something bad happens. Yes. And that only comes from these cultures of collaboration and people who take it seriously and people who know what the company's priorities are. (laughs) This is one of my horror stories. Um, I got called into a company because they had a breach. Uh And it had been going on for months. And I'm talking to their CIO and I'm like, what's going on? And he admits to me this is going on for months. And I'm like, how is this going on for months? Why didn't you shut this down? And he had to admit to me, and what the real reason was there, no one in his organization was taking it seriously. He couldn't mobilize anybody. Oh, man. Months. And it wasn't just his organization, it was business partners. Unbelievable. He needed business analysts to help him shut this down. He couldn't get his business partners to allocate people to do it. Man. Seriously. (laughs) I really did. I looked at him and I was like, seriously? He's like, seriously? I was like, no, seriously? He's like, seriously. Yeah. Yeah, I said, you have millions of dollars just leaking out (laughs) of your company. 
and information. Yeah. And you can't get anybody mobilized. That's important importance of the culture. That culture is a top-down thing. This is the C-suite coming together mm-hmm. with the board saying, we're going to behave differently, and we are going to uh, model for the entire company the behaviors that we need to see from them. And we're going to work as a collaborative team. This is one company, one team. Mm-hmm. This isn't business versus IT. That's BS, and it is destructive. We're not doing that. Right. This is one team. And here are the most important things to this company. And security has to be in that top three or five things. Heck, yeah. And everybody knows in the company, because they hear it consistently from everybody in the C-suite down, that if a breach happens, that's an all-hands-on-deck situation. Yes. Right? You think of the old, uh, the, the not old, the um, factory model. Yes. Right? Something really hap- bad happens on the assembly. What do they do? Like a Toyota. I love Toyota. Mm-hmm. They're the ones who started this. Somebody finds poor quality happening. What do they do? They pull the red lever. The whole line stops. Yes. Everybody comes together in swarms to figure out what ha- what went wrong. How do we fix it? The line doesn't restart until you fixed. Yep, that's right. We have to have a similar mentality with with security, cyber security, than we would if the building was on fire. Yes. Buildings on fire, you don't sit at your desk, keep doing the same old thing. That's right. Right? That's exactly right. You respond to the dark <laughs> fire. Cybersecurity should have the same level of importance in criticality. Yep. Absolutely. If it doesn't, then it goes on for months and months, and that's how you know, some of the companies that we talked about, those breaches for months, Target, TJ Maxx, Home Depot, Ashley Madison, those breaches went on for months before they were resolved. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, as as complex issues go, this one is really complex as it involves board-level oversight, a shift in thinking about security from a technical issue to a business threat, employee engagement and reputation Management, right, and, and that's why we. I say it's simple, but it's not easy. No, nothing easy about <laughs> it. Nothing easy to it. But um, for listeners, um, I have no doubt that Ren will have a lot more to share with us on this topic in the weeks to come. And if you've missed an episode of the Guardian podcast, you can catch up by visiting the iTunes store, and all you got to do is search for Ren Melberg and her podcast, there's over 50 of them, are all listed there. You can binge listen some weekend if, uh, <laughs> if you want. And of course, remember to also visit the website, which is www.renmelberg.com. Hey, that's going to do it for this week. But be sure to come back next week for another edition of the Guardian Podcast with Ren Melberg.